When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me as always, kinda, is Corey. I think half of his brain is at the beach because that's where he's <laughs> headed tomorrow. So like, <laughs> how you doing, Corey Christen? Right about there. You know, I'm in that like lead up mode to vacation. I think we all know what that feeling is like. It's like, yep. you're right there, you know? Yeah, you're a lot more concerned about did I pack that shampoo that I bought at Target or (laughs) I got it right over there. The little, you know, the mini, I got the mini ready to go. So, right. So let's have Um, a fun, lighthearted show, man. Let's not load people up with stats. Let's not have you break down the linebacker play. We should expect let's instead talk about something that all pit fans should at least be interested in. Now I have a lot of respect for what, Huggy Bear has done in West Virginia. I've, I actually do not mind their basketball team. When when Jamie Dixon abandoned us, <laughs> I, I adopted West Virginia basketball just so I had a, a dog in the fight, you know, sometimes. But uh, this situation with Huggy Bear, man, it kind of, I guess, wasn't a surprise to a lot of people that this was a problem. How, how long has this been percolating? Well, we know Bob Huggins has a past um, of being involved in situations like this, right? And when it comes to him resigning, yeah. that's the technical word for it, right? Resigning right. as the head coach at West Virginia as a result of the DUI charge he received recently and beer cans being found in the back of his SUV, no matter how much his daughter wanted to say he loves recycling. Come on. (laughs) Like, look, after what he said not long ago on, on the radio station in Cincinnati, and I won't repeat it. If you want to look it up for yourself, look it up for yourself. But those that know, obviously know. Combine that with another situation like this, the DUI and getting stopped and the car being found, just the whole situation awful for anybody. The fact that you compile what happened a few weeks ago with the radio station in Cincinnati with this, you bring all that together. He was already facing issues because of the comments he made. He wasn't going to survive this. He wasn't. No, he's, he's what? 69, 70 years old. You know, he's done enough in his career. He's been to, you know, the, the top of the mountain in college basketball in a lot of aspects. He is a respected as a coach. A lot of players that play for him, you know, it's, it's very like Bob Huggins fraternity where it's he had a certain way of doing it. He had a certain way of building programs and, you know, developing young men and developing basketball players and developing people that could go play at the next level. Well, despite then, his failings, Corey, he'll be looked back on just like Bob Knight. 
you know, great basketball coach, probably a relic of his time, you know, um, things fell apart at the end. Most likely is, is the way people will see his career. Um, and I, I do think his accomplishments as far as a basketball coach will be celebrated largely. It was, he was always seen as a pretty solid coach and a good developer of, of talent. Speaking of talent, though, that he's been developing, Corey, a lot of it is starting to head for the exits. Obviously, that usually happens when there's a coaching change. Is there anything there that Pitt might want to pick off? You know, we're still like, I guess, in the preliminary stages as we record this on a Friday, coming a day early. Um, we're still like in the preliminary stages of that happening because from the th- from the way it sounds it sounds like they're trying to figure out this coaching situation sooner rather than later yeah who's going to be the replacement to Boggan? now if it's going to be one of his former assistants or current assistants rather then you would think that it would be able to help keep some continuity within the whole system right they sure. know Boggan's, he's had assistants that have been around him for a long time he has assistants that have recruited the players that are playing at West Virginia. Now, again, as we record this on a Friday, this is all reportedly, you know, Trey Mitchell in the transfer portal. Um, Kirk Creesud, pardon me if I botch that name, um, re-entering the transfer portal. There's like, it, it, right now, those are like the two big names that have recently come out and said they're, they're transferring away. But this feels like it's only the start of what could be. Yeah. Key, key phrasing there could be a mass exodus of West Virginia basketball players. And that could come with uh, Gordon Gee, the, the president of the university, their athletic director, who that poor AD has had a lot on his plate you know, <laughs> for the last couple of years here. Sure has. Since he's taken on, since he's taken on the role, but it, it comes down to their vision of the direction of this basketball program without Bob Huggins. Obviously they had it planned for anything like this to happen. Sure. Obviously you don't anticipate this happening any at any time you don't anticipate your head coach being flagged for a DUI it, it just doesn't you know come as like the the emergency you know pull the valve and you know break glass in case emergency that doesn't come up in this conversation you don't predict that kind of thing so now we have to see where west virginia goes with the head coach search and you know again reports flying out of of morgantown are saying they're talking to players and they're being transparent about where they are with that process and you know, this is going to change the program one way or another. True. Well. Regardless of of if it's a Huggins assistant, this is really late to find a head coach. Let's, he played, he coached clear. a unique style of basketball too. It's mm-hmm. not it's not easily transferable out of. I would say it's 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 a different style of defense that he that he coached. That it I don't know how well it adapts. You know. So we'll, we'll see. It was just an interesting thought there. I thought it was a way to make it less unabashed uh, West Virginia bashing by talking about it at all, by tying it back into Pitt a little bit. Yeah. So that's what I did. But we should wrap with Pitt hoops here. Uh, the NBA draft happened, and mm-hmm. no Pitt players were selected. Uh, a, were you surprised by that? A, no, not really. I thought there was an outside shot that Jamarius Burton could get selected an outside shot. And yeah, that's like a talking, late round pick. That's talking yeah. late, late second round, like in the last 10 picks. If somebody, you know, when it comes down to those stages of the draft, it comes down to quite a few factors. 
Like number one being, um, this doesn't apply to JB, but this could have applied to the very last pick of the draft at Livingston. Like, is that a player that came out a year too soon and could be thought of as next year could have been like a lottery pick or a first rounder, whatever it might've been. And he jumped the, sh- he jumped ship too early sure. and he's out a year too soon. Livingston, the Kentucky player, I forget his first name. People are saying like, that's him. Like in his agent, the word is his agent was calling teams saying, don't draft him because he's going to go to a certain place. And like already we have a slot for him to be drafted or we don't want him to be drafted at all. And once you enter the draft process and go through it, you can't go through it again. So like, did they find out that he jumped the gun by, by going in? Now Burton's obviously in a huge, uh, a hugely different boat here. This was it for him. He had to go in yeah. now. And you know, and he he's older. Out, well, and he, he's older, but he worked out for a handful of teams, Lakers, Grizzlies, Bucks, Celtics, four really good teams to work out for. So it's not like he didn't get a fair shake. Greg Elliott obviously worked out for the Pistons. Nike Sabandi was eligible. There were no reports of him working out for anybody. But Jamarius Burton was the one because of the volume of workouts that he got. Nelly Cummings worked out with the Hornets, too. That's another one. So we'll see what happens for all four of those guys when it comes to pro basketball and their careers. But right now, it's looking like their most likely path is either the G League or going to play overseas. You know, unless yeah. the Justin Champagny situation happens where a team really likes Jamarius or really likes Nelly or really likes Greg or really likes Nike that much to bring them into their G League and their system and, you know, see them in camp and give them a two-way or attend, whatever it is. Then obviously, I think those are the best routes for those four to go as of right now to get to a path to the NBA. Hey, let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk a little bit of football. We are back to the H2P podcast here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. And Corey, we're going to talk a little bit of football because Pat Narduzzi has been doing well in the recruiting trail, even though there's a report just came out a little bit ago that they just lost one. You know, and that happens throughout this whole process, right? All of these commitments that we're seeing for 2024 are verbal commitments. They are, you know, players that... Um, will pledge and then some way down the line, call it December, we'll sign this beautiful thing called a national letter of intent. And as we're seeing with basketball at the very least, and we're seeing it with football too, even then that's not a stamping of approval. Right. So the recruiting process, as, as you know, and as those that are listening probably know by now, it never ends. The recruiting process never ends. And you might think you have a rock solid verbal locketing commit. And then out of nowhere, they say, I'm going somewhere else, or I don't want to go here for whatever it's an reason. Engagement it ring, but it's an engagement ring without setting a date. I mean, that's all it is. <laughs> that's, that's a way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't speak from that experience, but that's a way to put it. Um, you know, I can't either. I made the, the mistake the first time and mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The, the one we're talking about, of course, that um, decommitted is Chase and Johnson, defensive back, three-star. 
uh, for the 24 class. And look, when it comes to this 2024 class, and we plan on talking about this um, yeah. on some level because there's obviously a lot of layers to this class. There are still four defensive backs in this class. Nigel Maynard, Davion Pritchard, Alan Bryant, Tayshawn Banks, all them three-star recruits. Um, Davion Pritchard, shout out, Youngstown, uh, Austintown Fitch kid. But nice. um, when it comes to this recruiting class in the general scope, the one they recently got, uh, and they just got one yesterday, uh, Thursday as we record this, was Jeremiah Marcel and three-star linebacker out of Miami. And he adds to Cameron Lindsay, the four-star out of Aliquippa, who – you know, some people might say they were surprised to see that yeah. Cam Lindsay picked Pitt. I, I wasn't surprised to see it, but I also thought that there was an outside shot that Penn State was going to earn his commitment. And I'm very impressed that Pat Narduzzi was able to pull in a Cam Lindsay and then continue that momentum in getting another linebacker for this class of Jeremiah Marcella. Before we go into the whole class, let's stop sure. on the DBs a little bit because – a, we need to stretch the show out a little bit, Corey. And B. <laughs> it's true. Today we do. B, I have a question here, and I'll forget because I'm not in the right frame of mind. So let me get okay. let me go ahead and throw it in. Do you think that the recent draft history from Pitt's secondary has anything to do with the success on the recruiting trail in that in the secondary this year? I, I mean, you could extend that question to any position. You really can. Look at, okay, the secondary, right? We'll start with your point. Jordan Whitehead, DeMar Hamlin, the two big ones you think about when it comes to cornerbacks. You know, you bring in, a, you run a Jamari Mathis in there as well. Then you look at uh, Eric Hallett, Brandon Hill getting drafted this year. Sure. You could bring that down to linebackers and look at Servassier Dennis and him developing as a two-star recruit and getting drafted. Defensive line and teaser, teaser. Uh, I just spoke to Rashad Weaver today for a story that's going to oh, be posted nice. with the that's going to be posted after I get back for vacation. I am waiting uh, because there are a few more names that I have on the list that I'm contacting, but from a Rashad Weaver and a Patrick Jones bleeding that into a now Kalijah Cansey, you look at the offensive line, like a Jimmy Morrissey and a Brian O'Neill, like you look at almost every layer. And even if you want to talk about Jordan Addison, if you want to throw Jordan Addison in the mix, because he played here, like at every level, in the Narduzzi era, and especially over the last, let's call it five years, there's been one position player pretty much on each level that have came here as a three-star under-the-radar recruit, developed under Pat Narduzzi's tutelage, and then, of course, you bleed that into the position coaches. Sure. And they go and play in the NFL and succeed. Now, to rope that back into the DBs, you know, when I think about the way that Pat Narduzzi's defensive backs are treated. And I think about the way that Corey Sanders, Archie Collins coaches their defensive backs and the way that Randy Bates expects the defensive backs to play and expects the defensive backs to succeed. There's a difference between those two because we talk about it all the time. Island cornerbacks, right? right. Marquez Williams Twitter handle is Williams Island. Like, that is what made DeMar Hamlin so good. That is what made yeah. Jordan Whitehead as a safety, too. But you're so teaching good. and allowing NFL showcasing yes. on, a, on an every Saturday basis. And yes. I, it's, it's brilliant if you, if you think about it. The more NFL you can be, the more you're going to attract kids that want that path. And I, I, I think long term, that is the vision that Pat Narduzzi has. 
Now, if you look at, and this is just coming off of the commitments that have announced, okay? There are 19 total commits that have announced. I'm getting this data from Rivals. There are seven of them that are on the offensive end and 12 on the defensive end. And there's no quarterback yet. And I wrote about that last week. You can check that yeah, out right. on the website, dkpittsburghsports.com. You can check that out because there's no quarterback right now. They've hosted a couple in recent memory. They hosted a, a really good one in Trevor Jackson. At the beginning of the month, they hosted a really good one in him. And we'll see what happens with the quarterback spot, you know. But look at the breakdown of the positions that Pat Narduzzi has pulled in. And this is coming from the announced class. One wide receiver, you can call it two with the addition of Cameron Montiero out of Massachusetts. You can look at Eric Ingerson at tight end. Jules Goff, they have a running back. So they have two wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back. Four offensive linemen round out the offense. Two linebackers, two D tackles, two D ends, four DBs. And if you want to throw Davin Bruton in there, you know, you could put him at many, many positions, but he's classified as an athlete. But the point I was trying to make here is of one singular position within this recruiting class, defensive back at four is the most widespread that Pat Narduzzi has pulled in with this class. And you can rope, you could rope that back into a Corey, uh, Corey Sanders and Archie Collins, even a Tim Salem. And Randy Bates, like Tim Salem, it's funny because in, in this exploration that I'm doing for this piece I'm working on, Tim Salem has come up with recruiting Rashad Weaver and recruiting Lucas Call, Lucas Crawl. I have the notes yeah. right here in front of me. And both of them talked about how genuine it was that Tim Salem was able to sell the program. And Tim Salem recruited some kid named Kenny Pickett too, by the way. <laughs> so Tim Salem, and it's not just him. Rashad Weaver spent a lot of time talking about Charlie Partridge. And the, the sense that I'm getting from talking about this, this class, you know, that helped, so to speak, put the foundation down for what they're doing right now. And it's no secret, Pat Narduzzi's assistants are carrying this torch as much as Pat is himself, if not more. And when you look at this class and you look at, the guys that Tim Salem is going out and recruiting and Tyquan Underwood is going out and recruiting and Charlie Partridge is going out and recruiting and having the retention of the coaching staff around Narduzzi, the whole staff is back this year. There is no turnover from position coach to position coach. Yeah. A couple of GAs every here and there, but that happens. Sure. So having like that stability from the NFL perspective, from putting players into the big into the big show and then boiling it all the way down to having the same guys that recruited these players still be in this system and still be around Pat Narduzzi to sell Pitt and to sell his philosophy and to sell his city. It is such a mad deal that not a lot of programs in this in this country, FBS, had the advantage of doing. Sure. I mean, I think it's been, it's definitely been a story because it was a hard place to recruit in the past. I, you, you would see them really struggle in the big East when, when they played football there, because they weren't really on the coast, you know, you weren't really in the big East. We were more in the central, right. You know? Mm -hmm. So I think when you're mm -hmm. trying to recruit guys from up there, it was difficult to get them convinced to, to come to Pitt. You know, we were a lesser to a lot of a lot of people moved to the ACC I feared the same thing because you know we're not that Florida team we're not down there like on the coast where you can drive over to the beach and 
how do you sell that? Right. So mm-hmm. I'm impressed by what he and, you know, hopefully capable have, have turned this into a little bit. They, they're, mm-hmm. they're selling things that I didn't see them selling. Look, how about the location of where these athletes are from, by the way, four from Florida, three from Ohio and six from Pennsylvania as of right now. So Pat Narduzzi is kind of winning back his state. Ty Uhas is a local kid. Cameron Lindsay is a local kid. But you have to look at York, Philadelphia, Erie with these PA kids. Pat Narduzzi's slowly, slowly taking payback. You of course, Pat Narduzzi has strong roots at Youngstown. And that's where Davion Pritchard is in. You look at Washington, Ohio, the Columbus area, and Tayshawn Banks at Cincinnati. You're hitting the three major cities in Ohio for when it comes to football recruiting. And yes, I'm calling Youngstown a major football city in Ohio. And I will not go back on that word. because it, it is. is. There's it only really three is. major cities in Ohio. So I guess we could <laughs> yeah, say that's we, the fourth, right? Columbus, Cincinnati, and Youngstown. Yes, those are the three. Um, of course, you got to rope Cleveland into that when it comes to football. And you got to rope, you got to rope Toledo in there too. Okay. I like Toledo more than Cleveland. So that's what I'll say, but I lived in Toledo. I can say I liked it a lot. <laughs> um, but look, when it comes to breaking down where these players are coming from, you know, this is strong and recruiting Florida has been strong and pulling in a guy like day, day farmer from Florida is strong. It is, it is yeah. not something that should be taken lightly. So Pat Narduzzi spreading his wings. Now, albeit he could go a little further west at times, you know, Tennessee, New Jersey, that's not west. Nebraska is about as far west as he's gone to recruit. So we need offensive linemen at too. Least far, right? I mean, what do you want? <laughs> well, you gotta go to Wisconsin for those. Right. You gotta go to Wisconsin for your offensive linemen. Um, but he's doing really well on those key states, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Florida. He's doing really well on those key states. Let's take another quick break here. And when we come back, let's expand a little bit more on that Penn State pit dominate the state thing. We're back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Corey and Gary with you, and we're going to talk a little bit now about the dominate the state thing that happened a long time ago when Franklin came in to Penn State. I think we are getting to be on pretty even terms as far as recruiting classes go uh, with Penn State. And ordinarily, Corey, I think I would immediately jump to, well, Franklin must be doing something wrong then because we're pit, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I actually think Franklin's done really well in Penn State as well. So Narduzzi's just kind of outperforming what Pitt has done in the past, I think, and caught up to a certain degree. I like the way you worded that, and it's that Pitt is outdoing itself as opposed to what it would have done in the past. Mm-hmm. Is it fair to compare Pitt recruiting to Penn State recruiting at this stage? Now, 
that is a very complex question. And I'm sure our friend Corey Geiger would have amazing thoughts about this. Um, But here's what I was like. A crossover piece is coming. (laughs) Oh, well, we'll see about that. But let's, let's talk about this. Okay. We've talked, we spent time talking about the ACC and conference realignment and the grant of rights and how airtight the money is and how airtight the actual holding onto of these ACC schools is. Right. And I say that to say this, the money that comes into the big 10 is more than the money that comes into the ACC from the TV rights deal. That's just simple fact, right? So with that being said, given Penn state is also, everybody has them. They have the boosters, they have the NIL, they have all these collectives that are coming in to help bring prospects in. Not to say that from a quantity perspective, and this is going with star rankings, and this is going with judgment, and this is going with, here's what people with the clipboard think of this player. So just using that model as an example, okay? I talked about all the players that Pitt has pulled in from Pennsylvania, right? I counted six. The thing about that is two of them were four-star players, and I don't think that's being talked about. Pitt has four four star players, and two of them are in state. Now you look at Penn State, at the stars. You look at the Pennsylvania kid. Have pulled it. They have pulled in an equal number of six. However, only one of them is a three star. Five of them are four stars. So, from a quantity perspective, they're even right now. They're even. From a quality perspective, if you want to use the star rankings, if you want to use the, again, guys with clipboards that look like me with glasses and have a nasally voice talking about high school football players, from that perspective, Penn State is winning the state, I put that in the air quotes, over Pitt because of the amount of four-star prospects they have pulled in in state. And by the way, Penn State has pulled in a Bell Vernon kid in Quentin Martin, a running back, and they pulled in a linebacker at Anthony Spessa, Pittsburgh kid. And those kids are both four stars. So right. let's not let's not, you know, pretend that Penn State's not winning this area in some respects either. Not just the state, but this area. Now, what Pitt has done with this area, and this is just looking at 2024, right? There's an Aliquippa kid, there's a Pittsburgh kid, there's a four star and a three star. Getting Cameron Lindsay, which is why I mentioned him earlier about Penn State and why I thought there was an outside shot of Penn state potentially getting him is because of how well James Franklin has done with recruiting Pittsburgh, at least with this class. I haven't obviously researched 23 or 22 or 25, whatever, but that's just talking about this class specifically. Yeah. And the Whitfield, it's a sensitive spot, I think for Pitt fans, you know, we, we don't want to lose Whitfield stars to, to Penn state of all teams. You know, we can almost deal with them going to Notre Dame or, or Ohio State or something, but we want them to stay here. That's why I think you probably don't see the enthusiasm about Dracovic that, that you probably should. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he is a, a, he's, is a probably a, a qualified quarterback, but Pitt fans are kind of like, yeah, but he didn't want to come here when we recruited him. Right. (laughs) No, and that's a valid thing to say. It's true. Let's not be fake about it. It's true. You know, yeah. He he chose to go elsewhere. He chose to go away from home. He had he had the opportunity to come here, and he didn't. And by the way, you talk about the Whipple, right? This is why Penn State hiring Bob Palco at the beginning of the month 
was such a huge deal because think of the ties that Bob Palco has had, you know, all of them. He's a legend. It's what I mean. He has so many ties in this area and then Penn state gives him a title and I'm reading it verbatim and it's, it was vacant at the time, but director of high school relations, who better to have as your director of high school relations than a guy that has been a lifer at the Whippeo level and has won a lot of football, a lot of football games at the Whippeo level and has connections like you would never think at the Whippeo level. Like there are so many different angles to take about Penn state hiring Bob Palco. How does he expand that brand to the rest of the state? How does he expand that brand to the rest of the country? How does he expand it to the Northeast or the Midwest? Like that is why it was such a huge deal when Bob Palco took that job at Penn State. Big, big important point, man. Um, so hey, may not be uh racing in the same race, but I do think that we're we're doing more to lift our collective sales over here and, they're, and kind they're of winning stay their in own the fight race. a little bit more. They're right. winning their own race, is what they're doing. Pitt is winning yep. its own race, you know. This already, and this is from a verbal commitment standpoint and from just looking at what they have right now, this is already the best recruiting class Pat Narduzzi has had. You know, it's it's currently consistent uh, consensus, top 10, top 15 looked at, you know, when it comes to all the major sites, it has a quantity and a quality to it. And that quality to it goes along with Pat Narduzzi's ability to develop three stars and to develop kids that may have flown under the radar and to bring them in as fits to his systems, whether that's Charlie Partridge's D line, whether that's Ryan Manilak's linebackers room. And by the way, a credit to Ryan Manilak for the job that he's done and for what he's built within that linebackers room. You bring in a Taekwon Underwood who has strong ties to the Northeast and to New Jersey in particular to go along with the Tim Salem. Like it is a huge testament towards that continuity and towards that staff and how strong those connections truly are. And Again, it's all verbal. It's all, you know, hey, I am, but we'll see, wink. You know, it's all of that right now. So it's good that they're having it. I'm not trying to downplay it whatsoever. Yeah, right. It's great that they're having it. But as we saw today with the decommitment, nothing is set in stone. Yep. The recruitment never ends until they're actually on the field. And then with the NIL, it doesn't really end. And then with so, the transfer portal, it still doesn't end. <laughs> right. So, Hey, Corey, let's let you get off to the beach, man. You're, you're pale. I mean, you need to go <laughs> get some sun, get some, uh, get some of that. What do, what do they eat in Jersey? Let's see. They eat those pork, uh, roll, egg and cheese, pork roll, egg and cheese. Pork right? roll, egg and cheese. I didn't do too bad. I went golfing, you know, Monday I went out and played. Got a little bit. I'm not too bad. My tan, my sock tan line. I'm not doing it on stream. No freebies. Um, that was a joke. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not. I'm not doing that. But my sock tan line is really strong right now. I'll put it that way. Nice. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I had a little hat tan line going at the beginning of the week, but it kind of faded away. So, um, but yeah, I will be gone next week. So no show. Um, I'm taking the uh the week off and and putting the phone and the laptop away so uh we'll talk again in two weeks gary sounds good brother hey enjoy your vacation and we end the show the same way every time h2p